What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of River of Fire. It's your man, Tommy Codell. I'm here with Paula Mangucci. And we got a special guest, Brother Phil Watson, in the building. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. Uh, thanks, Phil, for joining. Um, what we'd like to talk about today, if you don't mind, is just some of your experience with uh, the evangelism and because you've done a lot of that. I know you're great at intercession. I've seen that over the course of time. And so we're just going to kind of chat about that because Tommy does a lot of that as well. So uh, what would you like to start with, Phil? Um, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. And that even though you may not be an evangelist, we all have a call to evangelize. Just like everybody isn't a prophet. However, the Bible says, in the last day, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. You know, so you don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. You don't have to be an evangelist to evangelize. We're all called a commission to go out into the world and preach the gospel, baptize it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we know that the church is the place that we go in order to be filled up, but being filled up for what? Not just to have a little party amongst ourselves. If that's the place with place, I mean, if that's the, um, if that's what it is, then we're nothing more than just a country club, you know? Mm. Uh, so a place that has a little private, private membership where only certain people, exclusive people can get in. No, we come and we get filled up so we can go out and we can share. Hallelujah. And uh, evangelizing is a lifestyle. It doesn't mean that you're sharing just, you know, uh, when there's some type of crusade or when there's some type of event that somebody's throwing. No, you could be in a Walmart minding your business and you might hear the spirit of the Lord say, talk to this person right here. You might be in a movie theater and the spirit of the Lord might say, hey, you know what? I want you to pray for that person or ask this person this question. You could even be, um, you know, a place where a lot of people go, restaurants, getting food, you know, evangelizing your waitress or waiter, you know? So, I mean, that's kind of the first thing that I'll just start off saying about it. So can you share some experiences? I, you've done a lot of evangelism in Chicago. Um, and I know that you teach some youth when we're at the hub conferences. What what is some of your experience you've had through through doing all that? I mean, um, so like I said, it's it's a lifestyle. So I mean, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> you know, like I mean, I'm like, do you mean what a story or like what do you mean? Yeah, like, yeah, just uh, kind of share a little bit of uh, you know some of the things that you've done in in evangelism. Uh, um, because well, you guys you know, would I, you, I, you would do worship too. You would do worship downtown, in the city. Yeah, so, well, let me say this: there there are many different groups and people that are doing a lot of things. And I'm just talking about just in the Chicago area. You know, you got Apostle Sandy Norman, who does incredible things like all over the city. I mean, she even does like 24-hour uh, prayer and they have a tent set up and they're giving out food and it's for everybody, you know? So I've, I've 
you know, went and done some stuff um, as a part of her ministry. Um, I've also, uh, uh, you know, my brother Jay Peters, you know, he does a lot of things as well. Um, my brother Apostle Marlon, uh, we got a, a group called Jesus Chicago, um, where it's a, it's a few of us. You know, we did a tent for like four and a half months last year, like four and a half months straight. You know, we had a tent going outside on the on the south side of Chicago, you know, um, worship, evangelism, you know, prophetic intercession, you know, every day. Um, you know, um, I mean, I could name a lot of different. I mean, there are more that I'm thinking of, but there are just there's so much going on, like in Chicago. Um, I was telling somebody like, and and the thing with evangelism is, it's not just, uh, it's not just going out and just saying, hey, are you saved? You know what I mean? <laughs> Even though that's a big part of it. Don't get me wrong, okay? But it's not just that. You know, sometimes uh, um, there may be an individual who you may run into where they need prayer right at that moment. I remember one time um, uh, we went to a thing that Apostle Sandy Norman was having. This was last year. She was doing a 24-hour prayer thing on 71st and Jeffrey. As soon as I get out of the car and start walking over there, Apostle Marlin yells my name. Uh, where he yells for me, calls me Chief. He's like, Chief, Chief, come here, quick, quick, quick. So I come over there. There's a guy overdosing off of fentanyl in front of his 11-year-old child. Overdosing. I'm talking about they pouring milk down his throat. I forgot what the milk does. They pouring milk down his throat. You see him fading back and forth. You know, we're, we're, we're like calling him back to life while he's fading out. It was a very scary situation. And it kind of changes the way that you pray and that you look at what you're doing. Because it's like this. What if we didn't come outside that day? What if we didn't walk over to that man that day? Not only would that man would have died, because he ended up living. We called him back to life. Jesus saved his life. But what would have happened if we wouldn't have came over there? Not only would that man would have died, but he would have died in front of his 11-year-old. So now there's a trauma she would have grown up with, with her father dying in front of her. So it's it's more than just saying that. And then um, there was another guy that day who had overdosed off of fentanyl too. And he ended up getting saved and coming with us for the rest of the day, helping out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's all types of like, you know, just um, um, crazy things. You know that happened but i just want to let people know it's just not you know getting on the megaphone and just mm-hmm. saying hey come to jesus or you're going to hell you know what i mean it's, it's not it's it's so much more than that of course we preach the central gospel message you know uh that 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 we're to repent that we want to receive you know that free gift of salvation that jesus has given us of course of course of course we want to share those things and and we do but then um you have so many instances too where you have people who don't even know if they're gonna live past the week you know 
They don't even know if they're going to live past the day. And you're that sign for God for them. You're that sign that, hey, don't take your life. Or, hey, you know what? I'm, uh, there, there is hope. You know what I mean? So it's, it's so, like, far-reaching um, and vast. You know, you got different levels, different layers. You know, um, some, sometimes God will call for you. I remember um, I went out with this other ministry um, back on Easter of, um, uh, I forgot what year it was. Um, it wasn't last year. Maybe it was 2021. Easter um, and my buddies, they, they're called Metro Praise International. Um, and they, they're kind of really radical. And um, we were out there and we were preaching on the north side. It was on Easter. Now we were in one of those neighborhoods that's definitely like pro LGBTQ. Okay. And so while we're out there preaching, um, I, I'm sharing, I get on the microphone. And I begin to share my testimony to them. And I'm sharing my testimony. And I'm telling them how, you know, Jesus died on the cross just like he died to, to save me. You know what I'm saying? This is what he wants for humanity, mankind. And as I'm sharing these things, this guy comes. Um, he comes. He has a gay flag. And another guy comes. And he starts simulating, um, simulating uh, gay sex in front of us. Yeah, while I'm on the microphone preaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was crazy. You know, then the owners across, uh, uh, the managers, or owners, whoever they were, or this business across the street, they putting up their middle fingers to me. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, so I say this to say it's not always, you know, it's. It's not always like just peachy clean, this and that. You know what I mean? But the thing is, you always want to come with 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 love. You know what I mean? You always want to come with love. And me, I always have an expectation. My expectation is always like, hey, Jesus is going to show up. We're, we're not going out there to show like how powerful our God is, for lack of a better term. I know that might sound sacrilegious. But you're not going out to say, hey, let me show you my God is more powerful than your God. No, that's not the that's not the whole thing. You're going out there to let people know, guess what? There's someone who died for you. There's someone who died for you, who loves you, who wants to see you saved, who wants to see you whole, who wants to see you redeemed. And he will do anything to get your affection. He died on a cross for you. You know what I mean? And he wants you to hear this message today. Hallelujah. He wants you to hear this and he wants you to receive his love because he has better for you. So that's that's about it. I know I just probably said a lot, but no, that's fine. Yeah. I oh, so going to that uh, theme, you know, there are times that obviously, well, Tom and I've talked at times where he's had a spiritual attack, uh, like witchcraft or something come against him the rest of the night or whatever. Um, do you want to share a little bit about how you deal with that? Yeah, sure. Um. <laughs> yeah, your, your, uh, your story reminded me of something actually uh, that happened this a couple of months back, probably in the winter of this year. And uh, we were out preaching in, in the downtown area. And it's a brother in my church who brought this like portable microphone out. 
And so we were taking turns on the mic preaching everybody at the bar areas. And it was the same thing, like this guy across the street, uh, just yelling profanities, making all these sexual references and like sticking up his middle finger, cursing. And then, you know, a guy uh, in the building on top of us, like starts screaming and like while we're preaching. And so it was like these different kind of manifestations are are like they happen, like the opposition happens because these these spirits rise up in people and they start trying to pose us by. But like you said, we weren't trying to like have a showdown as as a man on the mic kept preaching. This guy ended up settling down and just listening and like fully tuned in by the end of it <laughs> on the bench. He was yelling profanities at us. And then all of a sudden now he's he shouting amen. He might have been like still mocking, but he was still agreeing with it. It was just a totally different um it just you know his demeanor just changed by the end of the the message so um it's cool what what the holy spirit does and yeah just to go back to your question there has been times where we're out in the street preaching and then um there's been witchcraft attacks like we were out on a street corner and there was just this lady kind of holding down the block and she was pushing drugs and it was just like a high level of witchcraft and then after a, a encounter like that you go home and then you start feeling all weird and then you wake up the next day feeling all attacked and tempted and so it's very important to just stay prayed up and intercede because sometimes if you start going out without prayer you just get really attacked and you can fall off so it's very important to pray especially if you're with your group and just clothe yourself with christ and um free yourself of any kind of demonic spirits that try to attach themselves on you you know after you come back so phil you've done this a long time uh have you had any of that occur you know what have you dealt with i think you're are you muted you're muted phil okay <laughs> just a minute so I'm bringing this up because as time goes on, we know that the witchcraft uh, is going to higher levels. We've got alien entities. We've got different spirits from different places. Um, yeah, and you know all these—I don't know what you want to call them—half uh, people, <laughs> half angels. Yeah, hybrids and. Uh, nordics or whatever and you've got to be on the alert i've heard many stories even face-to-face -face encounters with these half people or mm -hmm. entities from other planets or whatever wherever they're coming from the center of the earth and you know at the time they would uh, apply the blood of jesus but if you're witnessing on top of that you gotta wonder like what's the situation it looks like you got a screen freeze fell oh there we go all right can you hear me yeah okay so i'm from the school of um i'm not saying that people can't get attacked okay um, i'm not saying that at all but what i am saying is i like to stand on luke chapter 10 verse 19. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 says, he has given us power 
over serpents, scorpions, and all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm us. So, you know, maybe that's the quote unquote deliverance minister in me, you know. Um, but I stand on that. So I understand that um, when Jesus went into the synagogue, remember, there was a guy who cried out, let us alone, son of man, what have you to do? You know, there was a, a man who cried out with a demon when Jesus came in the synagogue. My point of the matter is that demons recognize Jesus. So, for instance, uh, my brother, what is what is your name, my brother? Uh, Tommy? Yeah. So my brother Tommy, I mean, he had the anointing of God on his life. When he went out there and he began to share, he began to minister. You know, if he was talking from the spirit of Muhammad or anything else, he might not have gotten the same response. Mm -hmm. But he had the anointing of God on his life. And that anointing of God caused them demons to say, ho, 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 hey, 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 <laughs> you know, hey. Seriously. And so now it's more so about um, expecting that, but also expecting the protection of God at the same time in that matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, I know, Lord, that when I go out with something, it's probably going to stir up some people or some demons, I should say. You know what I mean? But standing on Luke chapter 10, verse 19, see, the enemy attacks us in the areas of our unbelief. He attacks us in the areas of our uh, where we've opened the door to things. Maybe sometimes it could be an open door concerning um, um, a misunderstanding of our identity or something we're not embracing. You know what I mean? But I'm just telling you, like Luke 10, verse 19. You know, I remember we were ministering to um, a young lady at the Sean Foyt thing. When Sean Foyt first started doing this thing back in September of 2020. Um, again, my buddy, Apostle Marlon, he called me. I was about to leave. And he called me over to this field. And when I get over to the field, there's a young girl there. She's a teenager. And they had her pent down. You know, uh, Apostle Marlon had told me she, she levitates sometimes. They had this girl pent down. And so when I get over there, you know, I tell him, you know, let her go and everything. Um, and she starts reaching out her hands to try to choke me. And I immediately say the verse, like I'm talking about in the door, Luke 10, verse 19. You know what I'm saying? I disarmed him with the truth. So her hands got like right, extremely close, dang near touching my neck, but they didn't touch my neck. You understand what I'm saying? You know, and it was the enemy trying to mess with me, trying to be like, do you really believe that? You know what I'm saying? Do you really, you know, and again, I'm not saying I know you got people that start swinging and, you know, I've definitely had to move out of the way. Um, I've had things thrown at me before, you know what I mean? But I don't ever look at it from the place of me being attacked. Um, I look more so from it from a place of, you know, Whenever Jesus comes in a room, demons get stirred up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm saying, like, because they don't have any power against Jesus. That's the other reason they get stirred up. They can't hide. And so I even want to encourage my brother Tommy. I don't know what 
you know, how you minister or whatever. But I do know this. You have the anointing of God on you. I know that much. Because, uh, <laughs> okay, because they respond. That name, when that name Jesus, you know, when, when, when true Jesus is released, oh, man, they come out of hiding. Because they can't hide because the glory is being released at that moment. That glory light is causing them to be exposed right now. Hallelujah. And so now it's about how do we operate in that glory? When that glory light is released, when they're manifesting and they're coming out, it's basically they're being risen up, that they're rising up to the surface for us to cast them out. Hallelujah. Because remember, Jesus disarmed them of their power 2,000 years ago. Colossians chapter um, chapter 2. Hallelujah. Thank I you. hope I'm not talking too much, y'all. No, no, no. That's fine. Um, this, the glory irritates them. They, they get tormented. Yeah. They get tormented in the glory. Yeah. And love. Love. Remember, perfect love casteth out fear. Remember what that verse says. It says, um, for fear brings, to, he says, he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The, but the scripture also says, for fear brings torment. See, fear, fear brings torment to us, but love torments the enemy. Remember, Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6, love is a violent flame. And we have to understand that when Whenever we step into a situation, Colossians chapter one says that he created all things visible and invisible. That means everything in the invisible realm right now, whatever is lurking around in this mess. Guess what? When I say the name Jesus, that's like turning a light switch on. You turn the light switch on in the invisible. I don't care what them things. I don't care if it's the principality of the principalities. Okay. It says he created all things, rulers of the darkness, of this, uh, rulers, dominions, thrones, principalities, powers. All things were created by him and for him. That's Colossians chapter one. I think it's verse 15 and 16. Awesome. So, Tom, you said that you went out, you guys went out evangelizing yesterday with your church? Yeah, a couple of days ago, went out. Uh, inviting people to church, praying for people. And surprisingly, a lot of people are, are more open than you would think. So um, I think a big part is just believing that, you know, the harvest is now, believing that people are open and, you know, looking for those opportunities, letting God lead you. And uh, we got to pray over some people. And, you know, some people, one person even admitted they were lost and looking for a church. So you just never mm. know who you're, who you go run into out there. Tom got that anointing on his life. Come on, Tom. <laughs> no doubt. So do you think that people are more hungry these days, Phil, than they were? I don't know if they're more hungry only because, you know, I've only been living 47 years. So I wasn't alive in every era. You know what I'm you, well, okay. I don't, in the last, I don't know. In the last 10 years, five years. I don't, you, you don't, I don't see know a because I haven't. I, I can't say only because, remember, I would only be able to give my view based off of my sample size. Right, your sample size. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and that, so, that's the question. <laughs> so you saying based off of my sample size, are people more hungry? Yeah, have you, 
because I know use... that, let me just share this. So I know because of the trouble of this life and this world is getting worse, some people, uh, it's causing them at times to look for salvation, look for something to free them because they, they are confused. They don't get what's going on or it's, it's troubling them. So in that perspective, I guess. I don't know, but I do know what Jesus is. And we know that his word never fails. I mean, right. that's what I stand on. And okay. Jesus said, which has always been true. He says the harvest is plenty. Mm. He says, so think about what harvest means. That means the food is already done. Mm. He said, it's the laborers that are few. Right. So the food is already done. In other words, there's a whole lot of people always ready, primed and ready to say yes. Primed and ready to hear the gospel message released to them. He said the harvest is plenty. He didn't say later on the harvest is going to be more plenty than in other times. He said the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Okay, that's from your perspective. I know that some nations that there's like no fruit. I mean, and then until they, you know, keep breaking into uh, intercession and uh, and dislodging a principality or something. Uh, yeah. So. So. I, um, I say this in <laughs> respectfully. I say this respectfully. That is not my perspective. Right. That is Luke that. <laughs> chapter ten, verse two. Now you said that was my perspective. Right. So I that's right. humbly, but it's not. It's that, it's okay. That's Luke. Good. I'm saying it's Luke chapter ten verse two. It's Matthew chapter nine verse thirty-seven. Now I'm giving you scripture. I'm not. I'm not giving you the opinion of Philip. Now I don't mind telling you my opinion, but I'm just telling. Remember what I said. I said if I was to give you my opinion, it would be based off of my sample size. I said, but I would rather give you the truth. And Jesus says the harvest is plenty. And see, when we stand on the truth, this is what. So one of the things that can happen is when people evangelize sometimes. It's sometimes if we're not careful, we can lose hope. We can sit there and feel worn down. We can sit there. Why? Because whenever there's a lack of inspiration, whenever there's a lack of hope, whenever you don't see things moving, you know, that could kind of make you lose fire or lose your passion. And so we have to make sure we stand on the truth. Remember, the word of God is a fire. Jeremiah 23, verse 29. That's not my opinion. That's the scripture. Jeremiah 23, verse 29. Okay. Uh, the, uh, God is in all consuming fire. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. God is also love, which we say all the time. And Song of Solomon chapter 8, verse 6 says, love is the most violent flame. And so the Lord, our God, who is love, is also fire. You and I should always have a fire burning. You know that scripture when it says you are the light of the world? That word light is the word fast, that means fire. We are the fire of the world. If nobody else has a fire burning in us, we should have a fire burning in us. And Luke chapter 18, I mean, Psalms 18, verse 28 says, the Lord will light my candle 
and enlighten my darkness. So what happens is the enemy tries to put our fire out. This is what happens. He tries to put that fire out. And so this is why we have to allow the word of God to be that torch, to be that thing that keeps us on fire. So if I'm looking through the lens of that fire, I'm always encouraged. When I go out to evangelize, I don't care if I'm going out to a place where people say, you know what, you shouldn't go there. People don't ever get saved. Well, Luke chapter 10, verse 2 says, and I will quote, this is from the gospel of Luke, not of Philip. Okay, this is not for the gospel of Philip. All right. It says, therefore, said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And I think that's very interesting that the Lord said, don't pray for the harvest. Pray that he would send laborers. Like I would think, you know, think about it. You and I, like, I've definitely done it. I've definitely been guilty of this, of praying, oh, Lord God, like, we want souls. Oh, God, increase the soul. Jesus didn't pray for this. He prayed to send laborers. He said, look, the harvest is already here. And think about this. This is a man who lived during the time where the Bible says it was the most wickedest generation. Remember what Jesus said about this generation. He said, this is a wicked generation. You know what I'm saying? And even in the wicked generation, in a generation where they killed God in the flesh, Jesus, okay? In that generation, Jesus still said, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. That's true. That's true. So Tommy... Uh, Tommy feels called to for to gather in the youth, and he does that through his music. Um, do you have any, I don't know, suggestion regarding his uh, his target? Uh, for me, oh. yeah. Well, I was talking to Phil. Do you have any suggestion for Tommy? Because he, you say a suggestion. Yeah, because he, he's targeting the youth. He, the, the, his heart is for the youth. And I know that you teach the youth, at least at Hub, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what Tommy Dodd, I mean, it seems like the man is anointed. I mean, just from even just a little bit he said. So, I mean, I would just say my only advice is, you know, keep loving on Jesus, keep going to him, um, ask, asking Jesus what to do. Uh, because, you know, with every group, you know, there's a different plan that the Lord has. What the Lord may have him doing with his youth, he may, um, it may be different from what God has me doing with my youth. But I just say, go and hear the Lord. And I would say this general wisdom, don't ever ask the children to do something that they can't see you doing. Okay? So, for instance, I want the children to worship then that means they need to see me worshiping. That means when the worship music comes on in the church, they need to see me front and center lifting my hands. Okay? If I'm asking the children to evangelize, they need to see me out on the street evangelizing. I need to be taking them with me. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, if I'm asking them to prophesy, they need to see me prophesying. So whatever we're asking the children to do, make sure that they are getting a model, a model of it through us. 
that they can always look and say, okay, so if they don't have any other picture or model to go to, they can go to us to be that model. And then from that model, they can begin to form their own identity into what God shaped them into being. So I would say that in my other advice, and I'm not saying you're not doing this, my brother. I'm just saying, just to encourage you, um, never put a ceiling on the youth. Never put it. And what I mean, put a ceiling on them, it's like this. I could get a four-year-old right now and I can go and get, um, I can go and get a, um, the, the book that they study to be a doctor. Now, some people may say they're too young for that. I just put a ceiling on that child. Because for all I know, if I keep teaching this child out of this medical book, where would that child be by the time they're 10? If I keep on hitting them with that, See, the child doesn't know the ceiling. We're the one that created that. If I tell a child that's three right now, if I said it's normal for you to be in college by the time you're 10 years old, then guess what? In his mind, he's going to believe it's normal to be in college by the time you're 10. We create the ceilings for our children. So don't create any ceiling for them. You know what? If we want to expect them to know the word of God, then, then have that expectation. But I expect my youth to be able to go out on the street, go minister to somebody, go prophesy to somebody, go lay hands on them. Come on, expect miracles to come forth from them. I, I expect all that with, with the youth. But it's because we don't put ceilings on them. I tell them, I say, the same Holy Ghost I got is the same Holy Ghost you got. The same Jesus I got is the same Jesus you got. I'm a minister, but guess what? You're a minister too. And it's not age restricted. You love the Lord. Come on. You need to be. I, I tell them, I said, I should be hearing testimonies of you in the playground at your school. And one of your friends, you know, you go and pray for them after they fail and hurt themselves. And God heals them right at the playground at your school. OK, so yeah. that's that's about all I could I could throw out there. And then also don't put ceilings on yourself. <laughs> Amen. Tommy, you want to say anything? Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, I think praying and, and asking God to for the wisdom in every situation definitely helps. Um, you know, as as a school teacher, just kind of like God has given me some strategies to reach them, and by His grace, you know, some of them discover my music, which points to Christ, and you know, they come up to me and then say, "Oh, you playing." Um, so-and-so is playing your music video in the other room and, you know, has God all over it. So, you know, it's, it's cool. The, the different creative ways, you know, that God uses, even when I'm not like promoting it or advertising it. So I think the music definitely helps reach the younger generation. And, um, I could talk about this all day, how the music is, the worldly music is influencing their minds. So we need, you know, Christ center music, especially gospel and hip hop to reach these, next generation of kids, uh, something that will appeal to them. And so that's what I've been trying to do the past couple of years. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Years okay. Holy Smoke Ministry and bringing it in.
Oh, it sounds like I, I heard, I, um, I stopped hearing you, Tommy. Can you, can you speak, Tommy? You can hear me? Yeah, there's a delay in the video. You're cool. Okay. Um, yeah, can, go ahead. Can you repeat the last sentence that you said, Tommy? Yeah, I was saying to, to ask God for opportunities every day, because even recently there, I just went out to go play basketball, shoot around, and then uh, this woman's kid comes up to me and starts wanting to play. And then I start talking to the lady starts talking to me. And then I start telling her that I work in the school system and this and that. And uh, she was like, oh, that's that's cool. I was looking for a school to send my son. And then I started talking to her and telling her about the Lord and how she should maybe pray to God and and ask him what to do. And she was like, oh, that's funny that you said that because you know, I, I just started praying recently. So I got to pray with her out on the basketball court. And then later, like a week later, another guy comes up out of the blue, pulls his car up, starts playing with me. Um, and then we start talking and then he starts sharing with me about how he's kind of like a little conflicted in his faith. And he thinks like he he's not sure if it's the universe or if it's God or this and that. And so I was able to share the good news with him. And he was like, oh, that's funny. I was just thinking about this a couple of days ago this week. And then now you're, you're sharing this with me. And so, um, and then another friend of mine, I literally have the same conversation with another friend of mine who I knew from high school. I've been praying for forever, finally reconnected. And he was asking me the same questions. And it, it just like the hunger is there. So sometimes like God will draw people to you if you're open to it, if you're open to share. Um, so I just encourage people to just look for those opportunities and expect them. Cause sometimes when, if we're closed off and we're not really looking or expecting God to bring us people or no one's going to come to us. Have you, I uh, agree. Have you considered doing uh, some of your uh, music in a park, like setting up a stage and, you know, something like that? Yeah. The idea has definitely been out there. Um, Sometimes it takes a lot of coordinating to um, call it, get a permit for like a big event in the park. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we've wrapped out there in the past and brought the microphone in different areas. So that's definitely a good way as well. Cool. So want to say anything, Phil? No. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, well, the uh, the theme here was about evangelism and how we can maybe stir other people up to win others to Christ, as well as, uh, you know, just trying to put a fire in the youth, um, because that, that next generation is very important. So I just want to thank you guys for joining our call, and um, I guess we'll call it a night. So Tommy, do you want to end with a prayer or something? Yeah, sure. Uh, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for Brother Phil and his impartation, Lord. I, I I thank you for Paula. I thank you for everybody listening, Lord God. I pray that your spirit, your anointed, would fall on every listener right now, every viewer. And I pray for the spirit of boldness to come upon us to preach your word with boldness. We pray for divine encounters. And Father, I pray that you use us, send more laborers out into the field, use us to um, preach this word and display your power, Lord, and miracle signs and wonders. And I pray that many souls will be reached through all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Your presence all around. All things are renewed now. Can't let me hold you down. Cause your love has set me free. Now grace and truth abound. All things work for good now. Can't let me hold you down. Cause your love has set me free.